So if, if you look at what North Carolina looked like at the end of 2019, there were about 113,000 North Carolinians that worked in clean energy all across the state. Squeaky, squeaky clean. What's up, my squeaksters, and welcome to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, brought to you by the North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. Not, not really sure what that was, but hello, Squeaky Clean listeners. This is Ben Stockdale, and you are listening to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, bringing the latest in clean energy right to your ears. And we have a very special episode today. We are bringing together the forces of two fantastic organizations. I'm sitting down with the head of environmental entrepreneurs, the fearless leader, Bob Keefe, based in California, who's going to be talking with NCSEA's former executive director and NCSEA's chief of innovation and strategy, Ivan Erlob, for a conversation on the recent North Carolina Clean Jobs Report, which came out and detailed the size and scope of North Carolina's clean energy industry, as well as some really awesome testimonials and uh, some more human-focused pieces on on the people that that make up North Carolina's growing clean energy industry. So with that, I'm going to pass it back off to Matt Abel. Matt, what's up? Hey Ben, I think I like the sound of my voice on this podcast. <laughs> I can get used to this. Uh, well. So I wanted to just uh, provide a quick update to the listeners on some upcoming events with NCSEA. So coming up on September 22nd, we have the next installment of our Making Energy Work webinar series titled Building Bipartisan Support for Clean Energy in North Carolina, featuring our partners at Conservatives for Clean Energy and Citizens for Responsible Energy Solutions. That webinar is taking place on September 22nd at 3 p.m., Free to register. Hope to see you there. Thanks, Ben. Back over to you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. And let's roll right into this episode, shall we? Clean energy. Clean energy. Our first guest today is Chief of Strategy and Innovation at North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. As one of the top clean energy leaders in the Southeast, he provides the strategic vision for transforming our energy system and economy through both public policy and market solutions. Our first guest today is an original lab team member of the Rocky Mountain Institute's National Electricity Innovations Laboratory, also known as the eLab, founder of the North Carolina Clean Energy Business Alliance, served on the Three Zeros Advisory Board at UNC Chapel Hill and is on the board of directors of Earthshare NC. From 2006 to 2010, he co-led the creation and implementation of the North Carolina Renewable Energy and Efficiency Portfolio Standard and served two terms on the North Carolina Legislative Commission on Global Climate Change. 
friends of the pod, let's give a squeaky clean welcome to today's very first special guest, but not the first time he has been on this show. So welcome back to the show, Ivan Erlob. Ivan, welcome to the pod. Hey, Ben. Great to be back. Awesome. So happy to have you here. We are so far apart, yet we are having this conversation together. Happy to have you. And our second guest today is the Executive Director of Environmental Entrepreneurs, aka E2. E2 is a national nonpartisan group of business leaders, investors, and professionals from every sector of the economy who advocate for smart policies that are good for the economy and good for the environment. Our second guest oversees E2's work across the country and coordinates E2's staff and chapters stretching from Boston to San Diego. Prior to joining E2 in 2011, our second guest spent more than 20 years as a political, business, and environmental journalist. He served as the chief Washington correspondent for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, as a California-based national reporter for Cox Newspapers, and as technology editor for the Austin, Texas American Statesman and as a business and investigative reporter for the St. Petersburg Times. He is a graduate of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and was a fellow at the University of Southern California's Annenberg School for Communications and Journalism. Friends of the pod, let's give a squeaky clean welcome to today's second very special guest, Bob Keefe. Bob, welcome to the pod. Oh, man, it's great to be here, Ben. Thank you for having me, and I'm uh, honored to be alongside Ivan on this. Yes, yes. This is a this is a heavy-hitting little squad we got here, and really excited to have y'all on. Uh, you know, recently, we've been working on the Clean Jobs Report in North Carolina. That's why we're here today to talk about what that means, how this came to be, and where we are headed with the clean energy industry in North Carolina. But... I think it's important to take a step back and get some historical context for what's happening now. So, Ivan, I'll start with you. Can you talk about the tracking and reporting that NCSEA has done historically to gauge the size and importance of the clean energy industry in our state? Sure, Ben. Um, well, back in uh, 2007, uh, a number of clean energy policies had been adopted by our lawmakers. It was a very transformative period. It was the first transformative period for clean energy policy, and we needed a way to measure whether or not those policies were having uh, the economic impacts uh, that we were all anticipating. So one of the first ideas we employed was to create a survey and ask industry um, what's happening, what's happening with jobs, what's happening with revenue, uh, what's what's working and what's not from workforce to um, access to finance, uh, any state incentives or utility programs and so forth. And that uh, led to the launch of the North Carolina uh, Clean Energy Industry Census. And we continued that uh, going forward. It was really uh, pioneering this um, kind of survey uh, at the state and local district level. Uh, for the United States in clean energy. And we really needed to do it because at the time, studies that were out there were claiming, you know, green jobs was the, the catchphrase of the day. And there was one report that had come out right before we decided to do this that claimed that one in every four or one in every five jobs in the U.S. was a, was a green job. I mean, we know from what we're, we're going to talk about today, and we knew back then intuitively that that wasn't anywhere near true. And so we needed a really conservative estimate uh, uh, a metric, a yardstick, um, to know if these policies were working and we were, we were getting the results uh, that we all signed up for. 
Hmm. Interesting. So, Bob, you're from North Carolina. I know you have North Carolina roots. Why did E2, that does work nationally, particularly in Congress, working at the federal level, why did E2 want to work with NCSEA to create this partnership that has the Clean Jobs Report as a focal point? And what makes this partnership between E2 and NCSEA unique and special? Well, you know, Ben, certainly North Carolina, anybody that knows anything about the state knows that it's been a leader in solar for a long time now. Uh, North Carolina is the only state in the southeast with a renewable portfolio standard. And that policy has paid off big time for the state in terms of economic development, in terms of jobs, and of course, also in the environment. Those are all things that, that E2 cares about. You know, our organization was founded 20 years ago. Uh, we now have about uh, 8,000 members and supporters across the country, business people, not businesses. The one thing they have in common is that they care about the economy and the environment, and they know that the economy and the environment have to go hand in hand to, to be successful and to, to have a, a great place to live and a job to go to every day and an economy that, that is growing. So if you look at North Carolina, that's what the state's about, right? It's the economy and the environment. It's what makes the place a special place to me and everybody else that is from there or has been there, I think. And with North Carolina being on the cutting edge of policies like the Renewable Portfolio Standard with the, uh, with the research and development coming out of the uh, universities there, with the entrepreneurship that we see every day in places from Raleigh to Charlotte and every place in between, the state has obviously become a powerhouse and a, and a leader uh, in the economy in the Southeast generally, from biotech to banking and to now clean energy. And so uh, we see North Carolina continue to see it, and uh, as many do, as a, as a shining bright light in the Southeast. And there's been no organization who has done more to make that happen, especially when it comes to clean energy and solar, than, than NCSEA. And especially under Ivan's leadership over the years, you know, it's we're naturally honored to work with NCSEA on this. We do these reports, by the way, in about 20, 25 states around the country, and we always do them with partners on the ground or typically do them with partners on the ground. And I can tell you that there's few few partners that we have that uh, that are uh, as knowledgeable and as deep into clean energy policy uh, as NCSEA. Well, hey, Ben, I'd love to jump in. Uh, thank you, Bob, and thank you for your partnership. Uh, this just makes so much sense. And environmental entrepreneurs, uh, E2, the, um, on, just putting an emphasis on entrepreneurs, uh, we can affect policy change anywhere, anytime, anyplace in our, in our capitalist republic. Um, but policy is only as effective in getting economic results if it enables entrepreneurs to enter the market and and really be able to take those risks and bring their smarts and their savvy uh, to bear on uh, on an opportunity, on an opportunity to survive and thrive and carry our nation and our economy forward. And, and so this really just makes sense to me, um, this partnership. Entrepreneurship was uh, instrumental in, in turning the policy frameworks that we all worked together to get in place back in 04 to 10 into market activity, utility business model transformation, 
and uh, increasing uh, increasing use of, of clean energy. So let's jump into this report a little bit. Bob, can you give us the top line numbers from the report and maybe a bit about how this is being seen contextually within the U.S.? Absolutely. So uh, first of all, let me tell you what we've what we track when it comes to clean energy jobs, and we've been doing this for on a, uh, in different ways for about a decade now, but really in earnest for the past five years or, or so, uh, working in partnership with um, the National Association of State Energy Officers, NASIO, and a group called EFI Energy Futures Initiative, which is run by former uh, DOE Secretary Ernie Moniz. And so what we do is we look at clean energy employment in essentially uh, a handful of ca- uh, categories, renewables, of course, solar and wind and geothermal, energy efficiency. That's uh, folks that are making our homes, offices, our, our schools more energy efficient, saving money along the way. It's also people who work in energy efficiency manufacturing, people making high efficiency HVAC systems, for instance, low, uh, LE, uh, low E windows, uh, LED lighting systems, that sort of thing, Energy Star appliances. Uh, we also look at clean vehicles, which is essentially, we, we call it, or I like to call it every, anything with a plug, but also uh, uh, clean fuels, uh, manufacturers and suppliers. And we look at grid modernization and battery storage. So if, if you look at what North Carolina looked like at the end of 2019, there were about 113,000 North Carolinians that worked in clean energy all across the state. That was up about 1,800 jobs from a year before that, up about 5% over two years' time, and about 90% increase since NCSEA first started tracking jobs in North Carolina back in 2007. Last year, the biggest area for growth in North Carolina was around grid modernization. It's kind of moder- uh, 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 tracking what we're seeing across the country. Uh, grid modernization and storage in North Carolina, that was up about 7.5% in terms of employment. Renewables, which we all know uh, North Carolina is known for, is one of the nation's leaders in solar. Renewable employment was up about 2%, a little bit more than 2%. So if you take a closer look at these sectors, Ben, Energy efficiency by far is the biggest sector in clean energy in North Carolina and, by the way, across the country. In North Carolina, that employs about 88,000 people. Yes, they're at big companies like Johnson Controls and Train, which I think have operations uh, in uh, western North Carolina, but they're also small business owners. As a matter of fact, the majority of them are small business owners. People like a guy named Solomon Maryland, who runs an HVAC company in Rocky Mount that specializes in high-efficiency HVAC system. I think he's got about 13 employees doing everything from fixing leaky air ducts and installing high-efficiency heat pumps to, most recently, I think, branching out to things like LED lighting. And then there's renewables. 12,300 people at the end of last year worked in renewables. Big solar companies that we all know around the state of North Carolina, but also smaller companies. Uh, with a dozen or so employees, companies like 8M Solar, for instance, and Cary. The next biggest sector was clean vehicles, believe it or not, in North Carolina. And when I think of North Carolina, I think of NASCAR, maybe, and a lot of people might do the same. But when you look at 
what the state of North Carolina Economic Development Department says. Believe it or not, 464,000 people apparently work in manufacturing in vehicles in the state of North Carolina. And an increasing number of those are working in clean vehicles. Uh, they range from companies that are making uh, little companies making hybrid and, and electric vehicle parts in different parts of the state to some of the employees that Thomas built buses in High Point, for instance, which, like every bus maker, is pushing rapidly forward uh, into the market for electric buses. That's creating jobs now. It's going to create jobs in the future. And then there's grid and storage, which I mentioned. Grid and storage employed about 3,700 people in the state. You know, NC State has a whole center dedicated now, I think, to grid and storage and EV technology. You guys might know about this better than I do, but I think it might be called the Freedom Systems Center, something like that. Um, but they're revolutionizing the grid and EVs. And I think just like you saw RTP spun out so many biotech companies that have created so many jobs, I think you're going to start to see companies get spun out of uh, centers like that who will continue to uh, create jobs, drive economic growth in the state. So when you look at what North Carolina looks like compared to the rest of the country, this the state was number nine in the country overall uh, in terms of clean energy jobs. Sorry, Virginia, you're number 10. Um, and where these jobs are, yes, they're centered in cities like Charlotte and Raleigh and Greensboro, but nearly 30,000 North Carolinians, Ben, who work in clean energy, live and do business in rural areas. Folks like Solomon, Maryland, I mentioned earlier. Uh, and they're people who are putting solar on fallow or unused farmlands down east that's putting lease money in farmers' pockets, for instance. Uh, we talked to one farmer not too long ago who said uh, installing solar essentially saved his family farm. He was getting more money off of lease payments than he was off of the crops that he was growing. So uh, the, the rural part of North Carolina is really benefiting from clean energy just as much as the big cities. And as a matter of fact, there's more people that work in rural parts of North Carolina than in any other state in America. So that's kind of the top lines of what, the, what that report says. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bob. And just gives me goosebumps hearing about how great some of the developments are. And particularly, you mentioned... Solomon, Maryland. You know, I got a chance to speak with Solomon. He works out in the eastern part of the state. And you're exactly right that he was able to step into the clean energy industry. And his business really took off when he started doing things like weatherization, things like energy efficiency upgrades. And then Solomon was approached by Roanoke Electric Cooperative. And asked him to help with their tariff on-bill program that provides essentially free energy efficiency upgrades to customers, and it has been a huge success for him. You also mentioned Bob 8M Solar, and I had a chance to talk with Usman, who really has a special story of uh, being born and raised in Pakistan, and after completing his secondary education in Pakistan, he saw the opportunity to come to the U.S. and continue what he was learning with electrical engineering and energy system planning. And of course, no surprise that he would have ended up in North Carolina doing work here. So really great that we can also talk the, talk the numbers of how important clean energy is, but also start to tell some of the stories of the people who 
make this this industry possible. And so the report has some of those stories in there that that I hope our listeners will appreciate. Now, Ivan, I want to turn it over to you because before this conversation started, we were talking a bit about COVID-19 and the effects that that's had on this industry, but also some of the things that has that it has revealed within the energy system. So can you talk a little bit about how COVID has impacted our industry and what has what, what it's shown us as we've continued to experience it? Sure. Uh, I think um, COVID-19, uh, the pandemic is, is clearly a, a crisis and it's been um, just life-changing uh, for our nation, the world, our state, our communities. Um, but it's really shed a light on um, disparities uh, from uh, systemic uh, racism uh, throughout our economy and society uh, and, and elevating the, the equity conversation. Uh, it's given us um, it, it's, it's given us the opportunity to look, at this kind of pivotal moment, this transformative moment that we were already coming into before we even knew COVID existed, um, and elevate uh, to lift up equity and say it is uh, equally critical that we not just transition to uh, in this next transformative period of policy that stakeholders are aligning around uh, pre-COVID uh, to set North Carolina onto a path of 100% clean energy for the power sector. But um, it's also critical uh, that the system, that the energy system, and uh, that our energy economy itself uh, look inward and say, how, how are we not equitable in the way things happen today, um, in, in the silent assumptions that people make every day, uh, the blind spots they have, and um, to surface those, and this is an opportunity at this transformative moment. Twenty twenty one is the beginning of the of kind of the next phase of transformative clean energy policy. With the first phase was two thousand four to two thousand ten, uh, where over eighty laws were passed and over ninety uh, favorable regulatory decisions uh, were made in that period, and a few more after that. Um, I think we're into another period where it may not be the same volume of policies, um, but the but the significance of what's coming next is really going to matter. There are so many solutions that have been developed. While the cost of clean energy is, has dropped precipitously, um, there is also a lot of innovation in utility business models. You mentioned Roanoke Electric Cooperative. We've worked very closely with them through several learning iterations on their tariff on bill pay as you save approach and working with utilities in Tennessee and Arkansas and partners uh, across the country uh, we've we've really learned that inclusive financing, we can bring efficiency, we can bring solar, uh, we can bring storage, we can bring batteries into buses with these innovative financing approaches that right now we're leaving a third to now with the impacts of COVID, maybe uh, 40, 50% of people behind because they don't have access uh, to cash or credit or sufficient credit to participate in the traditional ways of consumption in the American economy, which is to borrow, to get a loan or be given a loan uh, by a utility or someone. So innovative financing is really coming to the fore. And um, 
And so COVID not only um, brings the opportunity to look at uh, making sure the industry uh, can continue to deliver these critical solutions to everyone, but we can improve equitable outcomes in the energy economy. Uh, we can bring forward more equitable business models and market offerings, and um, that we can really get that inclusive economy uh, firing on all cylinders over the over the next few years, along as part and parcel of uh, the COVID economic recovery. Well, you know, Ben, I was just going to add, I, I think COVID has is, is taught us a couple of things. Well, it's taught us a lot of things in this country, right? But it's, it's taught us a, a few things at the intersection of environment and, and economy and clean energy. You know, uh, first, first is the downside. Uh, when you close your buildings, when financing um, dries up, when people are less likely to invest in rooftop solar because of the economy cratering, uh, it's it's hurting the industry. Nationally, we've seen by tracking uh, clean energy job unemployment data, more than 500,000 clean energy workers have lost their jobs since COVID struck across the country. In North Carolina, 21,000 have lost their jobs, wiping out about 18% of employment already. Good news is those jobs are starting to come back. In July, we saw some positive numbers in North Carolina, but we still have a long way to go. That's one of the reasons why, at least at E2, we're working hard to, to push for a federal stimulus that would focus on clean energy. And actually, just this week, we saw that Senator Tillis there in North Carolina helped lead a group of Republican senators to uh, uh, urge leadership in Congress to make sure we include clean energy in any economic stimulus. It's important. It's important for anybody that works in clean energy. It's important that anybody cares about our environment. Um, but the but the other thing that we've learned from COVID, Ben, I think, is what we can do, what we are capable of. You know, there was a time, <laughs> it, it seems like ancient history right now, but there was a time when we didn't think that this economy could function at all without uh, getting on an airplane every couple of days or uh, without firing up all of the electricity that we use in skyscrapers. Uh, and, and big office buildings all across the country. Well, we're doing this. We've seen electricity usage plummet, which uh, is a good thing when it comes to energy efficiency, of course. Uh, and we've seen the potential of what we can do with better energy efficiency. Uh, similarly, we're on track this year to get more uh, electricity nationally from renewables than we are from coal. Um, I think part of that is just the dynamics of the way that we're using electricity these days in these COVID times. We're all at home. Our, our electricity usage is a little more uh, uh, stable, I think, than uh, when you go to work all day and come home and crank up the AC and that sort of thing. So, uh, uh, and and obviously look at look at uh, commuting and traffic, right? I mean, we can uh, we've we've dramatically reduced the amount of fossil fuels that we're burning. Imagine what we can do also with more electric vehicles on the road. Uh, these things are all opportunities that I hope as a country, we pass the right policies to, to seize, to not only build back our economy, but build it back better, stronger, and through clean energy, faster. We have just a few minutes left here, so I'll open it up for a final question, which is, what do you both see, you know, each of you, what do each of you see as 
the most exciting development for the future of clean energy in North Carolina, and uh, and and why do you think that is? Well, look, I think there are, there are a lot of great opportunities on, on the horizon in North Carolina. One of them is through Governor Cooper's Executive Order 80, which uh, many of your listeners will probably know that uh, calls for the state to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions by 40% over the next five years or so. How do you do that? You do it by adding more renewables. You do it by making buildings, homes, schools more energy efficient so they use less energy and therefore produce less greenhouse gases. You do that by putting more electric vehicles on the road and reducing the amount of uh, carbon emitted from burning uh, gasoline. That creates jobs. That creates jobs for solar installers. That creates jobs for engineers. That creates jobs for companies uh, ranging from big solar companies to, to small startups to, um, to energy efficiency workers all across the state, 80, those 88,000 or so clean uh, energy efficiency workers we mentioned earlier. Uh, and, and I think that the electric vehicle part of this puzzle is going to be really significant for North Carolina. I mean, let's face it, it's, pre- it's pretty clear that someday in the very near future, the vast majority of us, if not all of us, will be driving e- EVs, you know? Uh, I used to be, a, as you mentioned in the intro, I used to be a, a technology reporter at one point, Ben, and uh, I know this is a lot older than you are, but back when I got started doing that, there were people that doubted that we'd have PCs, personal computers in our homes. Um, there were later people who doubted we could uh, that the iPod would replace CDs or cassettes. Sorry to date myself. Uh, and then when the iPhone came out, there were people who said, man, that's never going to work because who would pay that much for a cell phone and why would they want to take pictures on it or connect to the Internet? You know, we're seeing the same thing with EVs these days. A few years ago, I didn't know anybody who drove an EV. Now I have a plug-in, and I bet there are very few people who don't know somebody who has an EV. So that's going to to create a lot of difference in North Carolina, not just in those vehicles, but in the charging stations that are needed to support them and the grid modernization to get the electricity in those vehicles. The other area that I'd mention real quick is just uh, offshore wind. Uh, a couple of years ago, E2 did a, a study to try to get a handle on what developing offshore wind could mean to the economy in North Carolina and other states. And to do that, we took a really good look at, uh, at what then was the only offshore wind farm in America, the Block Island Project in Rhode Island. And we kind of overlaid what happened there in terms of jobs and economic investment with uh, the economies uh, and the economic structure of states like North Carolina. What we found was that building an average-sized offshore wind farm in North Carolina could create something like uh, 5,500 jobs, add something like $710 million in economic uh, benefits to the state. You know, that's in folks working on turbines offshore, but it's also people who are working in the ports in Moorhead City and Wilmington and places like that in the supply chain that feeds into all of that work. So those are three big areas I see for North Carolina, EVs, offshore wind, and of course, all of the uh, uh, renewables and uh, energy efficiency growth we can get with policies like EO80. Ivan? Yeah. So I think, um, I mean, there's so much to say that we could do a whole show on this question, but um, <laughs> the uh, a whole uh, uh, pod on this question. You know, we worked hard uh, through the 2010s to successfully build bipartisan understanding of the value of clean energy to our state's people and our economy. And, um, and now I think, uh, that will continue 
this year and well into the future, kind of regardless of the outcome of this next election, North Carolina really is poised um, to uh, undergo a series of um, policy advancements. And, and I think that's because um, not only Executive Order 80, but um, a number of stakeholder conversations that have been brewing for several years, a number of conflicts and lessons learned from our um, out-in-front leadership on utility-scale solar that catapulted North Carolina to number two. Uh, also, we're number four per capita in EV charging stations. We've quietly um, been uh, quite a successful state in things like uh, high-performance building for a long time. Uh, the triangle is arguably the cradle of a lot of the uh, original innovation in high-performance building. Uh, so we, we have many assets that go way back and, and a lot of um, lived uh, experience here, learned experience uh, for the future forward. So now that we've we've really learned together going from close to, to near zero clean energy on the grid to now about uh, 12.5% of electric generation in the state being clean, we're ready. And and I think we know specifically kind of the policy areas and uh, and they line up well. Uh, with where the economic opportunity is uh, now and and f- for the next 10 to 30 years. So I agree with Bob, uh, EVs, offshore wind. Um, I also really think grid is going to see a lot of um, activity, storage. Um, Duke is saying they need 15 gigawatts of storage uh, to be able to proceed with no natural gas. Uh, you know, we really question those numbers, and I think think we're coming into a period um, where it makes a lot of sense that, um, when you, when numbers like that are thrown around, it just feels like a barrier because it's overwhelming. Um, what's nice is, um, the dialogue, the stakeholder dialogue, the learning, uh, has really elevated to a point where we can have functional evidence-based conversations about, uh, integrated resource plans, reforming the IRP, uh, process, larger electricity regulatory reforms in the wholesale market, and also around um, like all source competitive procurement and having transparent price discovery. Um, we're looking at a hundred percent clean energy standard. Uh, that's a real thing. Um, most major stakeholders have have indicated to some degree that um, they're on board uh, with that in concept. Of course, the devil's always in the details, but people are talking in stakeholder processes now energy efficiency resource standard, building codes, and, and other policies, inclusive financing, low-income energy efficiency, um, poten- potential for a green bank. Um, all of these things are really starting to pop in North Carolina. When you add it all up, it's it's at a it's at an operational level of, of focus and uh, enabling the, the market and utilities and consumers and industry to kind of align their financial interests and work together if we do this well and we do this honestly and collaboratively with each other. People want to. COVID and, and equity matters um, kind of put an exclamation point on the importance and urgency and value of, of seeing these conversations through. This is our time. This is our time to really shine, to get on that affordable uh, clean, equitable path to 100%, and um, and also bring uh, that that affordable decarbonization to the broader economy, transportation, and beyond. I I would like to see us. I believe if if we do this well, North Carolina could go from number nine in in clean energy jobs uh, to number five in uh, two or three years. Um, 
And uh, I know Virginia just uh, did a lot, but uh, we're probably going to do it more affordably and and stay ahead of them. <laughs> and uh, we can have a nice little healthy. Uh, uh, let's let's uh, let's all do well together, but we'll do a little bit better rivalry here uh, from uh, state to state <laughs> while <laughs> while we grow together. You know why not? Because it's just so much opportunity in front of us. We're number twelve for uh, GDP in 2019. So being number nine in clean energy jobs, we're already in that leadership position. I so appreciate um, now, uh, you know, all these years we did the industry measurement and we didn't have that uh, that benchmark against the nation. Uh, but, but I think uh, having it now helps even more. Uh, we're going to excel in so many of these sectors. I think renewables is a little slow the last few years because we put so much on the grid so fast with solar. I do think that's going to come back around with these reforms. We'll just see, uh, we're going to see a lot more of it through the utilities and, uh, and that's fine. And co-ops and, and municipal utilities, public power, they're really innovating to be right there with their customers kind of at the meter in that relationship. Um, I imagine that's going to be happening more with the IOUs too, uh, under regulatory reforms, because it'll become more in their financial interest to do so. And that's, and that's only good for our economy and, and, uh, more growth and, and more opportunity here in the, in the clean energy space. Ivan, I love those goals you're set, but I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to say, let's not go to number five. Let's be in the final four. Let's get North Carolina in the final four. We, we can't do it in basketball right now, but maybe we can do it in clean energy, huh? It's, it's the new sport. It's the new there sport. Every, everybody's watching. Everybody. Love it. Love it. <laughs> awesome. Well, this is a great place to end. Thank you so much, Bob and Ivan, for your leadership. And this is a great conversation. And, uh, Please go check out the Clean Jobs Report. It should be live now. Bob and Ivan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks both of you. It's been fun. It's exciting. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Ben. And that's all, folks. The 34th episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast bringing the latest in clean energy right to your ears. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. What a great conversation with two really awesome leaders in the clean energy space who have really devoted so much to North Carolina in helping us grow this industry. It's so great to have Ivan's perspective coming from really the start of the clean energy industry in North Carolina. Ivan's definitely been there from the beginning and has helped grow the industry to where we are now, as well as Bob's national perspective and being able to realize how unique and special North Carolina is specifically because of all the work he does in the other states. So he knows how many exciting things are happening right now in North Carolina and the potential that we have with jobs now, but also into the future as we continue to expand, especially with things like offshore wind and start thinking about distributed energy resources and ways to get clean energy into more communities. So anyway, I have some bittersweet news to share with you all, squeaky clean listeners. This is going to be the last episode that you will hear my voice on, but... 
The good news is the journey continues. Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast will live on. And you, the Squeaky Clean listeners, are so lucky because you will be greeted every two weeks or whenever Matt gets the episodes out. But you will be met with the voice of Matt Abel of North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. Matt is a friend and he has taught me so much about the energy, clean energy industry. So I couldn't think of anyone better to hand this project off to than Matt. He is really a a hard worker and he knows so much about the industry. Frankly, he knows more about the clean energy industry than I do. Uh, A lot of the times I am Uh, more reliant on Google than I am on my own mind. But Matt has all the tools in the toolkit and he knows how to talk. So (laughs) at any rate, I just want to say thank you all so much for listening to the show over the past year. It has been such an honor and a privilege to bring you the stories of North Carolina's clean energy industry and beyond. You know, we definitely covered some national items as well, but thank you. And I wish all of you the best and certainly look forward to becoming a squeaky squeaky clean listener myself. So Matt, thank you for taking on this project and uh, I wish you the best of luck. And uh, of course, all the Squeaky Clean listeners are in good, I would say in good hands, but they're really in good ears because they'll be listening to your voice now. Well, thanks, Ben. I've always been told I have a face for radio, so it's my time (laughs) in the spotlight. I really appreciate it, Ben. And again, I just wanted to... uh, to give you a shout out for all of the wonderful work that you've done in building up this podcast over the past year and building our squeaky clean energy community in North Carolina and across the entire country and even internationally. (laughs) So I know many of our listeners are going to miss your iconic voice and your iconic (laughs) brand and vision that you've built for this podcast over the year, Uh, but many more years to come. And I'm hoping we'll have the pleasure and opportunity to feature you as a guest in an upcoming episode to fill us in on some of your new adventures moving forward. So Mm. squeaky clean shout out to Ben Stockdale (laughs) as the former host, but future collaborator in this adventure moving forward. Mm. Thanks, bud. Thank you so much, Matt. Much love. All right. Well, that does it for today's episode. Huge shout out to Ben. We're going to miss him, but we got to move forward and we're going to keep on trucking. So thanks again for listening, everyone. Tune in just a few weeks from now for our next episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast.